Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Great uh, to be with you. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name's David. I'm the location pastor uh, here, and um, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Um, I, uh, I'm gonna start off telling you, going down memory lane with you. Uh, I, um, I don't know if kids do this, but when I was a graduate in high school, senior trips were a thing. Like, I don't know if senior trips are still a thing. Um, my parents are in the audience. This is gonna bring terrible memories back for them. Um, but I, when, I was, when, I was, when I graduated, I jumped in the car with some buddies and we drove to South Carolina which my parents knew I was gonna do. Um, what they did not know is that spontaneously in the middle of the night, we would drive from South Carolina down to Florida. And uh, that's a different story. That was not an exciting phone call to have. Um, They're like, you're where? I'm like, I'm, don't worry, I'm okay. Um, uh, but I, we went to Florida, Daytona Beach, and uh, we're hanging out, going out in the water. Um, I am familiar with being at the beach, been in the beach ocean a lot of times, you know, I'm a, a good enough swimmer. Like I, I, I'm, not, I'm not out of my depth there. Um, and I was swimming. I was going further and further away from shore. But one thing that I was not familiar with before this moment in my life was I was not familiar with riptides. And that's the only way I can explain what happened on this day. Uh, a riptide is a current that goes basically from the shore out into the ocean. Very strong, very powerful. You don't want to get caught in it. And I got caught in a riptide. I, um, I remember I was swimming um, and... Uh, I thought, and I was trying to go back to shore and I thought, and I was swimming, swimming, kicking. I had, a, I had like a little paddle board and, uh, and I was like, well, this is weird. I'm not going anywhere. Like literally it was like paddling and I was like looking to people and like the shore's not getting closer. People aren't getting, and, um, and so I'm, I, again, I keep swimming. Well, maybe I need, I, I tried to like dip down and see if I can touch the ground because I knew I was far out. I didn't know how deep it was and I could touch the ground. Uh, two inches above when the water, two inches above my head. So I couldn't, I couldn't reach. And somehow in the midst of this, I lose my board. Like, I don't know, honestly, I don't know how it happened. This situation just keeps getting worse. And so now I'm without the board. It's, it's like, you know, when, the, when, the thing, when you lose something in the water and it floats just out of reach constantly, like that's what was happening. And I found myself very quickly in a very dangerous in fact, a very hopeless situation. I don't, I'm sorry, mom, I don't even know if you know that story. Like I'm causing anxiety in her as I'm telling this story. She didn't know that her son almost died on his senior trip. Um, I, I, it, was, it, was, it was a bad situation. In fact, it was a hopeless situation because I was swimming hard, making only actually getting further away. It didn't matter how, how much I swam. It didn't, it didn't matter how strong of a swimmer it was. I was. I was getting in a very dangerous situation. I was, in fact, in a hopeless situation if it had not been for uh, my friends who rescued me. And, and here's the thing. You and I, you and I are in a hopeless situation. Merry Christmas. There is a riptide of sin and brokenness and injustice and pain 
that we're desperately trying to swim against. We've felt it, we've tasted it, we've experienced it. If we haven't experienced it, we've sat with a friend who's, who's gone through it. You know that feeling that comes in from deep within when you've experienced some sort of pain or injustice or brokenness in this world and there's just something in us that screams, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be, like this isn't right. We've experienced that, we've tasted it. We desperately try to swim against the current. We desperately try to fix it. But with all of our effort, we are hopeless unless someone else saves us. And this is the message of Christmas and the great hope of Advent because there is hope, because the good news is there is someone else who very much wants to save us. Advent is this beautiful season where as a church, we are remembering, like we are intentionally calling back to mind that Jesus Christ came and he promised to come again. And if he came, we can have full confidence that he will come again. There is someone to offer us hope. And over the next few weeks leading up to our Christmas Eve service, we will be looking at the beginnings of Jesus on earth as the hope for humanity. And we wanna start with this question, what is Jesus's purpose? What's Jesus's purpose? Well, it's twofold. We see in our text in Matthew 3, verse 11, uh, John the Baptist says he will baptize you or immerse you. The Greek word, the, uh, the word baptize in the Greek means to immerse. He wants to immerse you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I really like how the gospel of John puts it because in John's gospel, he actually takes a moment to, to write what John the Baptist says when he sees Jesus. He says in John 1, he sees Jesus, John the Baptist sees Jesus, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If we were to put Jesus's job description on paper while he is here on earth, it may go something like this. His job description is to take away your sin and to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus's job is to take away your sin and to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. This is what he wants to do in your life. Is he Lamb of God to you? And is he your baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Jesus has something to give us. The concern that I have for myself and for us at times is that we don't live with the reality or with the awareness of how desperately we need him. And if we don't live with an awareness that we need him, then we can miss out on receiving from him. I found out the other day that um, my primary care physician didn't know who I was. Um, it's not a joke, <laughs> it's a reality. I called. Actually, I didn't call, my wife called. My wife, I didn't even call to make an appointment. My wife called to make me, make me an appointment. And they're like, David Harrington, they're like, we don't, we don't know him. Why are you calling us? Like, they're like they, they looked and they found out that I hadn't been in over two years. I didn't even know that. I did not know that I hadn't been to the doctor in two years. But apparently I haven't been to the doctor in two years. And they're like, listen, he's, he hasn't been here in so long. He has to like register as a new patient. Like we can't just see him. And um, so... Here's the thing, I don't live with an awareness that I need a doctor, I don't. I don't wake up thinking, oh boy, what can I go see the doctor for today? <laughs> like I just never, ever, ever have that thought. I, 
I, I, the way that I kind of operate, I re, the way that I operate in my life is like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I'm not great, okay? But I'm, I'm good enough. I'm good enough. Like, I'm okay. I don't need, I don't get sick very often, okay? I sprinkle in exercise in every now and then, eat my vegetables. Like, I, generally speaking, I'm okay. And to the doctors in the room, I just want you to, it's not, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. We appreciate what you do. You're good people. We need you. I don't go to the doctor because I don't feel that bad. There are other people who need the doctor. There are other people who are worse than me. They need the doctor. That are sicker than I am. They need the doctor. Here's the thing. We can be this way about God if we're not careful. We can be this way. Why would we receive him if we don't need him? God is for the people who, who are really struggling, who really have problems. Like, I don't want to bother God. Like me, I'm not that bad. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'll get, you know. We can, we have to be very, very careful that we don't slip into, you know, that word apathy. Don't like that word apathy. Being apathetic toward who God is and what he wants to do in our life because the reality is that we desperately need him. We desperately need need him. And, and, you know, sometimes I, I, I don't want to go to the doctor because I don't want to see what's going, I don't want to know what's going on underneath the hood. Like, I don't see a problem and I don't feel a problem and I don't want to know if there's a problem there. Like, I don't, and sometimes it can be that way with God. Like, we just like, it's like, ah, if I get, I want to keep him at like a, just a decent arm's length. Like, not too close, not too far, right? Because this is what God does, right? He sees right through the surface. He sees right into our heart. He sees our hopes, our dreams, our wants, our desires, our fears, our insecurity. He sees me and he sees you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life right now. And this story of John the Baptist is an incredible story. It's, it's, it's a radical story. And in fact, I wanna just, I want us to see what he says, like the significance of what he says to um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees in this, in this text. Because here are these religious leaders, all right? If anyone is good enough, if anyone's okay, it's probably these religious leaders. Like these are guys who've got it together. They have whole chapters of the Bible memorized. Like they know all the rules. They do the right thing or appear to do the right thing a lot. Like this, these are the guys at the top of their class. They're, they're, they're good, they're good. And what does John say to them? He says, you brood of vipers. You brood of vipers. And I think what's happening is John catches a glimpse of what God sees through the surface, through the exterior, he sees into the heart. And what looks, he looks past what appears healthy on the outside and looks at the condition of what's going on in our heart. He sees, he sees where we truly put our trust in. And John, John saw that these religious leaders had put their hope in who they descended from. They had put their hope in being a descendant of Abraham. They saw that they lived with a, re, with a reality that they created that they are good with God 
And the problem exists outside of them. The problem is the Romans who oppress them. The problem is the Gentiles who decide. That's the problem. There's not a problem. And this is, this is, is it, we have to see how radical this message that John is bringing, both to the religious leaders and to the Jews as a whole. He's bringing a message that there is something between them and God. And it's not outside of them where we think the problem often lies. It's inside of them. It's in them. And this problem is called sin. See, we, we think the problem so often is outside of us, the problems that are happening in this world. We think, well, it's the money in uh, my, my bank account. That's the problem. I don't have enough money. Oh, it's these, it's these, it's these, it's these evil systems that, we've, that have been passed down. Genera- that's the problem. Well, it's the policies that this party votes for. That's, that's the problem. Oh, it's, it's the people that are in my life that are, that are creating all of this frustration. That's the problem. John, John the Baptist comes to the chosen people of God, the Jews, the chosen people of God. He says, the problem's not out there, it's in you. It's in here, it's in us, it's in each one of us, and it's sin. We're a part of the problem, we contribute to the problem. And there's a real enemy of God that loves for us to believe that we aren't that bad. The enemy would love nothing more than for you to believe that you're not that bad. Because you're not dangerous if you think you're not that bad. You're not looking to God if you're not that bad. You're You're not taking radical steps of faith if you're not that bad. You're not looking to him if you're not that bad. And that's the wrong question, actually. Not that bad isn't the degree. See, the the really the question we should be asking on the other side of that coin is what's good enough? What's good enough? Well, what's good enough? God, God says this is what's good enough. Perfect holiness. That's what's good enough. Anything below perfect holiness means that we are a part of the problem. Means that we fall short. Means that we don't deserve a place in heaven. But I grew up in a Christian home doesn't get you in. But I volunteer 20 hours a week at the local food pantry. Doesn't get you in. But I show up every Sunday. I go to community group. I tithe. Doesn't get you in. But I read my Bible. I pray. Doesn't get you in. Because no matter what category of good you place yourselves, I'm a Jew, I'm a Pharisee, I'm a Sadducee, I'm, I'm okay. Whatever category of good you put yourself in, there's another set of questions we have to answer, which is, who hasn't lied? Who hasn't lusted? Who hasn't cheated? Who hasn't been jealous? Who hasn't thought about hurting someone else? Who hasn't been selfish? Who hasn't stolen? And the list goes on and on and on. That's probably enough of a list to say that I find myself in that list as not being able to answer all those questions. And I would imagine you do the same. Does a good person deceive? No. Does a good person gossip? No. Does a good person lust? No. No. And if anyone had good reason to believe that they were good with God, it was the Jews. It was the Jews. The Jews were God's chosen people set apart by his love and grace. He brought them in 
and he made them different than any other nation on earth. And what they had increasingly believed is that because they were Jews, because they were descendants of Abraham, whom God chose, their path to heaven, their path to secure, their, their relationship with God was, that was all they needed. So John's message coming to them that they need to repent and get their hearts right before God to a Jew, guys, is a crazy message. It's a crazy message to come to the people of God and say, hey, you are a part of the problem and you need to get right with God. They're like, no, we're the solution. Like, we're the answer. Like, we are God's people. No, 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 no. The problem is not, the problem is in you. You gotta deal with the problem and the only way to deal with the problem is through repentance. There is not a seat in heaven waiting for anyone because of the country they were born in, because of the family they grew up in or the good deeds they've done across their life. The view that we aren't that bad or can somehow balance the scale is not from God. That is an idea that's born from a world that decries the idea that we need saving, that we can't figure it out and that we don't have perspective. And that is hard for, that's hard for me to say, even here right now before you, like that's hard for me to say. There is something in us that resists that we can't get it done, but we can't get it done. And it's with this understanding, it's with this revelation that John the Baptist bursts onto the scene proclaiming a message of repentance. And repentance is an action word. It is not a get out of jail free card. It does not say these words and you're all good. Repentance is a word of action. It is a turning away from someone. Repentance is I'm living my life this way. I'm believing these things and I'm going to repent. I'm gonna turn away I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn away from what I thought, from how I lived, and, what, and I'm gonna go in this direction. I'm gonna believe something else. I'm gonna live differently. Repentance is a word of action. I was trusting and living with the hope that I wasn't that bad. Now I'm trusting and living with Jesus as my savior from a sin problem that I can't fix. And just check out what this, I mean, repentance is like, I, I read this and I was like, repent, I need to be repenting more. I mean, check out what one commentator points out. He says, repent was the first word of John the Baptist's gospel, Matthew 3. Repent was the first word of Jesus's gospel, Matthew 4. Repent was the first word in the preaching ministry of the 12 disciples, Mark 6. Repent was the first word in the preaching instructions Jesus gave to his disciples after his resurrection, Luke 24. Repent was the first word of exhortation in the first First Christian sermon, Acts 2. Repent was the first word in the mouth of the Apostle Paul through his ministry, Acts 26. It, asking if repentance is alive and active in our life is like asking, is God alive and active in our life? Where God is on the move, you can be sure that you will find repentance sprouting up as people are awakened to the reality that I am much worse than I realized. And God is much, much, much better than I realized. When God has gripped our heart and we follow him, we will make decisions, we will repent, and we will change the way that we live. I mean, that's the way, that, that, that is one of the ways you tell if someone is genuine when they say anything in life. If they say they're gonna do something, you, don't, you, you know it's true when they actually do it, when they actually change. 
The Jews' confession that they were sinners was followed with the act of being immersed in water. And again, this is such an easy story to breeze past. If you've grown up in the church or a Christian home, you're familiar with baptism, we can just, we can just move past this quickly. But uh, one, of the, one of the commentators uh, I read said that, that uh, in fact, uh, this type of complete immersion in water was often reserved only for when a Gentile, whom the Jews despised, by the way, wanted to convert into the Jewish culture. They wanted to become a Jew. They had all kinds of ceremonies and rites and sprinkling of this, that, you know, but this, this typically, this kind of immer full immersion in water was reserved for when a Gentile wanted to become a Jew. Now here, Jews being completely immersed as an act of obedience following the revelation that they are as separated as a Gentile is from a Jew. They are that, in fact, more separated from God. This is radical. This is radical that a Jew would do this. The Jews needed an awareness of their sin so they could receive Jesus, the savior from their sin. Repentance is only part of the work that we participate in with the Holy Spirit. And this is why the good news of Jesus is so good. This is where, okay, we see the problems, we see the mess. I'm willing to entertain the idea that maybe I'm a part of the mess or there's something in me that needs to be dealt with. Repentance is only a part of it. If we only had repentance, it would be bad news. Repentance without Jesus equals depression, okay? We need Jesus because we need to not just be aware of our sin, but we need a liberator from our sin. Confession doesn't free us. Repentance doesn't save us. Good deeds don't restore us. Only Jesus does that. Jesus saves you. He cancels your debt. He stands in your place and he takes the punishment of our sins. And not just that. He doesn't just rescue you out of something. He doesn't just save you from your sin. He immerses you in his Holy Spirit and he has a life full of power and presence ahead of you and purpose. That's what he has for you. He saves us into something. Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. He has a life immersed in his presence, waiting every day for us to walk in. And I just wanna to confess to you that I don't wake up enough with this reality. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's just like the doctor. I, too often, I'm not waking up with the reality. Like, you know what? I need God today. Like, I need him. And I'm not living enough with the awareness that today, when I woke up today, God has fresh encouragement for me. God has fresh hope for me. God has fresh mercy for me. God has power for me by the Holy Spirit in his presence. He wants to encourage and strengthen us. And I don't, I don't receive that enough. I wanna receive that more. He, listen, God has made it available to us. I, he's not the problem. He's not back there holding out on us. I think most of the time we're just not asking him for it. We're not asking him for it. He wants, the reason he came is to give us a life that is immersed in the Holy Spirit. God the Father knew, he knew we were never going to liberate ourselves from our sin or overcome the deceptive and alluring promise in our own strength, in our own wherewithal from the world around us that we can be satisfied without God. He knew we wouldn't be able to overcome that. There is just something in us that wants to figure it out, that wants to be good enough, that wants to not be a part of the problem and see that the problem is not in me, but it's in everybody else. It's all around us. He had to send Jesus. 
Jesus is the perfect and spotless lamb. There is no evil in him, no sinful thought in his mind. Only purity, only good, only honesty. And Jesus, fully God and fully man, became our substitution. Jesus received the Father's wrath and he died so that we may receive forgiveness in life. It's not a fair deal, but it's a good one. It's a good one that he wants to give us, that he wants to give you. Is he the lamb of God to you? Is he the one who takes away your sin? If he isn't, he wants to be. He wants to be the one who frees you and gives you life. If you're here today, let me just say, if you're here and you don't know what it means to have a relationship with God, if you don't know that Jesus loves you so much that he was nailed to a cross for you, that he loves you so much that he received God's wrath for you so that you could live and be forgiven and he can nail your sin to that tree and cancel your debt, I want you to know that. You can have that life with him today. You can receive that today. You can walk in forgiveness today and new hope today. He wants to free us and he wants to give us life. That's what he has for us. A life of hope and promise and presence in his Holy Spirit. He isn't here to just take our sin. He has something for us. More accurately, he has someone for us. He has God, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus doesn't just rescue us, but he wants to immerse us in the power and presence of God, walking with the Holy Spirit, seeing things like patience and self-control and joy and love and peace and all the, the, the uh, fruits of the Spirit being produced in your life as we walk with him, trust him, love him, choose him over other things. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling worn out, like you're white knuckling it just to get through the day. Here's an invitation for you to return to the promise, to the life-giving purpose and meaning that God has for you, that God, the reality that God delights to see you delight. Like, and regardless of your circumstance, God has something greater for you, greater than your circumstance. He wants to repeatedly immerse you in the spirit. God's saving work on the cross was once and for all. It's a finished work. We don't get saved and saved and saved. No, when we are saved and we come into his family, that is a finished work on the cross. But he continually wants to immerse us in his Holy Spirit. Every day he wants to wake up and give you new food to eat. He wants to give you new things. He has new things for you to walk in. And the church gathers on Sundays and we gather in groups not to check a box, but to immerse ourselves in him. I just wanna encourage you, if you find yourself, you're just, try, you're just doing it, like you're just going, you're going through the motions, like it's time, to, it's time to turn away from that. It's not about going through the motions. It's not about doing the right. It's not about checking a box. It's about the people of God coming together to be in the presence of God and to be immersed in his Holy Spirit. It's why you seniors in high schools and 20s, if you're in your 20s, I wanna encourage you to go to Mobilize. We got this conference coming up just for you guys. Uh, first weekend in January. Like this, is a, this isn't about like, okay, this is like, okay, this is just getting everyone to an event. No, 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 no. This is about coming together and purposing to be with other people and being immersed in God's presence. 
We just got through, we just came through Deeply Rooted where the, uh, you ladies, you had this weekend where you purposed to set time aside and get with God. And guess what? He met with you. Like we've heard testimonies of how lives were changed, of how people were encouraged and comforted. That's what God wants to do. He loves it when his church gathers. He loves to immerse us in his Holy Spirit. Just wanna encourage you to be, invite you to be a part of that. Is Jesus the one who takes away your sin? Is he the one who immerses you in his spirit? God is doing a great work. And here's some really good news. You and I, every single day, have a part to play in it. You and I have something we can do as God does his great work. He invites us to participate with him. And it's not about a platform. It's not about a microwave. It's not about a microphone. It's not about, it's not about a role. It's not, it doesn't have to do with a level of achievement or come when you've acquired certain knowledge or when you've done enough good things or when you've read enough of your Bible. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 10 minutes, 10 seconds, or 10 years. Every single one who is in Christ, who has a relationship with him, gets to participate with him in this. And what our part is, is like John the Baptist, we are created and called to be a clear of paths. That's what John was doing. John had been called to clear a path and to make a way for the one who was coming after him, which was Jesus Christ. And you and I get to be path clears for other people. In fact, you are here because someone cleared a path for you. Someone gave God some runway to work with in your life. Someone invited you in. Someone prayed for you. Someone listened to you. Someone opened their home to you. Someone served you. Someone shared with you how good God is and how God saved them. Someone else cared more about you than their reputation. Someone else cared more about your eternity than a comfortable conversation. Someone else cared more about what you thought of God than what you thought of them. Someone else cleared a path for you. Someone stood in the gap for you and they contended for you. And at the end of the day, what it's all about is it's all about God. It's about being with him. It's understanding that he is the hope, like he is the life. And we want to get as many people in God's family as we possibly can. We understand we don't change hearts. Like that's where we are participating with what God is doing. We can't change, only God can do that. But somehow, some reason, I don't know why, his plan is to work through you and I to save others. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring people through us. God, whose power created the world, whose justice condemned our sin, whose love sent us a savior, whose grace releases us to participate with him as he makes all things new. Don't you wanna be a part of that work? Wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing to right now be sitting next to one or maybe perhaps you are sitting next to someone that's here because of you? Like God wants to bring us into what he's doing. What if we didn't let fear and insecurity and anxiety and our reputation get in the way of clearing a path for Jesus? What if we received the work that he has done, received the forgiveness from our sins, received our identity as sons and daughters, received the delight of God the Father of, over his children, over you and I who are in him, received the freedom he has promised? We invent ways to not receive things from God. 
He just wants us to receive it, to not overcomplicate it. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter how good you've been. God's, God gifts, gives gifts and he brings us in by his grace. And I wanna give you two practical things to, to that, how you can clear paths for someone else. <clears throat> two ways, invite and bless. Invite, S- simple thing, invite, invite. Tell someone to come along and see. Extend an invitation. Come along and see. Come along and see what's happening. Invite someone to our Christmas Eve service. Invite someone to Sunday morning. Invite someone to come along to mobilize with you. Like invite someone into the circle and see what God will do. And then secondly, bless. And I like bless because if we live blessed, we will orient our life to be a path clear for others. BLESS is an acronym. We, we use this and talk about this in our community groups, but BLESS stands for B, with begin with prayer. Prayer is essential. We wanna pray for our family. We wanna pray for our friends. We wanna pray for strangers and neighbors. Prayer is foundational because it roots us and grounds us and reminds us that this is a work of God that only he can do. We need him to move. We need him to move powerfully. We need to pray. In fact, in the second week of January, we're gonna gather here Monday through Friday and we're gonna pray and we're gonna fast. And we do that three weeks out of the year as a church because we just, we know we need to stay grounded in prayer and dependent on who God is and what he can do. And um, it's gonna be a powerful week. Second L is listen, listen to someone's story. This is a weapon in your hand. It's simple and it's a weapon. We are professional tellers of our story, but often we're not great listeners. Listen to somebody's pain. Listen to somebody's joy. Listen to what they're struggling with. Listen to their dreams. You would be amazed at what the simple act of listening how that communicates love and care for someone, to listen to someone. Eat uh, eat with them, exercise hospitality, open your home. The best thing you can do, I mean, if you wanna be an influencer or leader, open your home. Open your home every week, every month. Open your home and invite someone in who's outside of your sphere, invite them in to have a meal with you. Begin having a relationship. There's something about eating food together that brings hearts together. Exercise hospitality. S, serve. Serve someone. Take someone a meal. Rake their leaves. Give them a ride. Don't charge them for gas. I know it's high, but come on. Like, just find, it doesn't have to be big. Just find a simple way to serve somebody. And the final S is story. Share your story. We gotta tell people, I am the way that I am. I live the way that I live because of Jesus Christ. He saved me. I was a mess. You know, you're talking about these things over here that you're struggling with. I struggle with them too. In fact, sometimes I still struggle with them. My life changed though when I met Jesus. We gotta tell people our story. We gotta tell them what he's done. We gotta open our mouth and use our words. Let's be those who clear paths for others who make ready hearts for God. Wouldn't that be good if we did that? Wouldn't we be good if we did that as a church, if we said yes to that? Well, let's stand and pray. We're band's gonna come and we're gonna worship, but let's just... Pray here in conclusion and ask God um, to just tell God. Let's tell God we want to receive from him. Lord, we just, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would, let me first just say, thank you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness. You have not treated us as our sin deserves. You have offered forgiveness. Lord, we just, You're an amazing God, we love you. But I just pray for anyone who's struggling right now to understand or grasp that you gave your life for them. 
that you want to be the one who takes their sin away, removes that burden, cancels that debt. Lord, I just pray that you would bring the revelation needed, that you would show them how much you love them, how you weren't even willing to hold anything back, not even your son. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our punishment on the cross. And we just say, Lord, we just wanna receive more of your Holy Spirit. We wanna be filled with your Holy Spirit, immersed in your Holy Spirit today, every day. God, we need you, need your power, need your presence, need your Holy Spirit reminding us of truth, holding on to us, keeping us steady, God. We're unsteady, you're steady. We need you, Holy Spirit. We ask for these things in your name, amen.